Alright, I want you to notice verse 23. I'm not going to read the whole passage to you, but you all saw this is a story where after David commits this terrible sin with Bathsheba and ends up murdering Uriah, um, God ends up striking the child. It says in verse 15, uh, that Uriah's wife bare to David and it was very sick. And of course, we have David. He's fasting. He's praying. He's just hoping God will be merciful and God will spare the life of his child, but um, he didn't. God ended up taking that child. Uh, the child died. And then David, all of a sudden, he goes back to eating. And everybody was surprised by that. They're thinking, you know, why are you not fasting now? You were before when he was alive, but now he's dead. Why are you going to eat now? And, you know, and he makes a statement. He said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? You know, David knew that God was a very gracious God and he was always kind of depending on the graciousness of God. But in this case, you know, it was too late. God ends up taking this child. But notice what he says here. He says, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And I point that out to you because I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. And then upon... Uh, Brother John, you know, losing his son, I, I felt led to preach this message. But do young children go to heaven when they die? Because, you know, we believe person in order to go to heaven, they have to be saved. And we, but, but at the same time, what about a young child who just doesn't know any better yet? You know, what happens to them if a, a baby dies or a young child or maybe even somebody too that has a mental disability or something like that that just can't seem to understand the gospel and just it doesn't even seem capable of understanding the gospel what happens to those people and i personally believe that they go to heaven when they die and i think the story that we see here of david's child is a great example of that he said hey he's not going to return to me but i'm going to go to him now where did david go when he died all right david went to heaven david didn't go to hell and you know i've heard calvinists before say well you know it depends on whether that child was one of the elect or not uh, sorry, that's not, no, they're, they're, first of all, Calvinism is way off in a million ways, but that is, that is really off right there to think that some children could be born in the world not having a chance to do anything and then just go to hell. That doesn't even make sense. But I want to prove to you from the Scriptures and show you many Scriptures in the Bible that you know, convince me that young children do go to heaven when they die. And one thing that we believe is that salvation has always been the same through the ages. And David, you know, he clearly had a strong confidence that he would see his child again. And it's interesting because, you know, we see some things that David understood back in the Old Testament that I think are very interesting. For example, in Psalms 32, it was David who said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will, uh, Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. David said that back in the Old Testament and the Apostle Paul quoted it in Romans 4, 6 where he says, even as David also described it, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. David understood back in the Old Testament before Jesus died on the cross that God imputes righteousness to man without works. David understood that. David understood a salvation that was by grace and through faith. We and so um, all in uh, Jonah chapter four. Turn over to Jonah chapter four. 
So David, he understood some things about salvation that were, you could say, were in many ways maybe seemed ahead of his time. But at the same time, you know, I, I personally believe salvation has always been the same. But, and God revealed some things to those men back then, guys like Abraham, guys like David. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, something that we see, after God tells Jonah he's not going to destroy Nineveh, Jonah's upset because Jonah didn't like Nineveh. Nineveh deserved to die. Nineveh was a wicked city that deserved to be destroyed, but Nineveh repented of the evil that they were doing. Nineveh got right. Nineveh had a revival, and Jonah was upset about that. But notice what God said to him in verse 11. He said, "...and should not I spare Nineveh..." that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that's 120,000, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Alright? And I think everyone would agree that that is talking about young children. God's like, hey, should not I spare the city? There's 120,000 that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand. They don't even know the difference in that yet. God's saying, I don't want to destroy... All these young children, I don't want them to die who don't know any better, who are suffering because of the sins of their parents and the things that they've done who did know better. But God said there was 120,000 people there that, you know what, I, I don't want to hold them accountable because of the fact they don't know any better. We see that in the book of Jonah. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, all right, where we see the very first sin that ever took place we see that God, He made some trees in the Garden of Eden. And what was that tree, uh, um, the one tree called that they weren't supposed to eat? It was known as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's read a couple of verses there. It says, um, I'm in chapter 1, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay? Notice, when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay, then you will die. That is when you're in trouble. I believe that Adam and Eve, when they were in a state of innocence before they ate of that tree. They were not saved. All right? There's a difference between someone being in a state of innocence and someone being saved. I'll show you that here in a little bit. But Adam and Eve were in a state of innocence, all right? But they weren't saved because a person who is saved can never go to hell no matter what they do. I mean, no matter how hard you try, you cannot go to hell. You have been saved from your sins. You have been saved from wrath. You never have to fear that. But a person who is in that state of innocence, that young child, while they are safe right now, there is going to come a point in their life where they will understand good and evil. Well, they will receive that knowledge of good and evil. And at that point, I believe if they were to die, then they would go to hell. But Adam and Eve, so they weren't saved yet, but I do believe they were saved because of the fact that they were innocent. But once they sinned, once they took of that tree and had the knowledge of good and evil, then something changed. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and verse 35, it says, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto their fathers, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou shalt not go in thither, 
but Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, look at this, your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. So remember, when the children of Israel, they, were, they didn't have faith, they wouldn't trust God, they were afraid to go and fight that battle, God went and He told them, hey, you know what, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and God said that entire generation, He basically cursed that entire generation and said, none of them are going to go into the promised land, except for the two guys that did believe God, Joshua and Caleb. But he also included some other people in there. So Joshua and Caleb, the ones who believed God, they got to go into the promised land. But you know who else got to go into the promised land? The young children who did not have the knowledge of good and evil. The ones who everyone else said, they're going to be a prey in the wilderness. God said, you know what? I'm going to let them go into the land. You know why? Because it wasn't their fault. They weren't the ones that chose to not believe God. They didn't have a choice. They didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't have a chance to reject. And therefore, God let them go into the promised land. And I believe in the same way, God let young children who don't have the knowledge of good and evil, I believe they are able to go into heaven too, just like these children went into the promised land. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. So notice too, we see that he said, The day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Okay, but yet who ate who ate of the tree first? All right, Eve ate first, right? But who does God credit for bringing sin into the world? God credited Adam for bringing sin into the world. Why is that? Well, First Timothy chapter two verse thirteen it says, "And for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression." We see that the woman she was deceived. She was, you know, she did the wrong thing, but she did not willfully sin against God. She was deceived. She was tricked. But the Bible says Adam, he was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing and Adam willfully disobeyed God. And therefore, Adam got credited for bringing sin and for bringing death into the world because of the simple fact that there, there's a big difference between someone who knows what's right and does or doesn't do it than someone who just doesn't know any better. And we all know, you know a little baby, their sin nature is revealed very early on, isn't it? I mean, little children, when Tommy was born, his sin nature revealed fast. He was so young and had a temper at such a young age. He would scare us to death as a little baby sitting in his car seat. He'd start crying and he'd hold his breath. And this was before he got to the point where he started passing out. He got to where he would pass out at least once a day. He'd get mad, he'd cry, he'd hold his breath, he'd pass out. We eventually got used to it, we didn't care. We'd see him hold his breath, we'd go lay him on the ground so he wouldn't, so he wouldn't hurt himself. And then, you know, he, and then he'd, he'd wake up, he'd come to, he was fine. The doctors told us it's safe, just don't let him fall and hit his head. But when he, at first I remember we were scared. And I remember one time, I'm pumping gas at the gas station, and he's back in there, he's like, hold his breath and he's not breathing. I, I went and I figured out that I, I, I like got back there and I went and I blew in his face. And if you blow in his face, then he'd, he'd, you know, he'd take a breath. And it, but he would do it for no reason. Just, the, you know, very clearly the sin nature was showing. Okay, but, all right, but at the same time, while the sin nature was there, you know, does anybody think he was ready to be held accountable for that sin and deserve to go to hell? 
All right. You know, obviously, you know, not the case. You know, I mean, I, I knew he was a sinner. I knew this kid needs to get saved. We used to say that all the time when our kids were, man, these kids really need to get saved. We need to get, we need to get them saved because they're so rotten. That's what we, we've, we've said that about all of our kids, just kind, of, just kind of joking and having fun. Not that they become perfect after they get saved. But at the same time, you know, the sin nature was there. But you know what? I could have talked to him as that little baby in a car seat saw his blue in the face about Jesus, about him dying for our sins. And it wouldn't have done him a bit of good because he, he doesn't even know Dada yet. All right. So, you know, it's it's foolish to think that if something were to happen, and he were to die, that he's going to go to hell as a result of that. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, we see opposite. There is that knowledge that comes. And so I do. I believe a baby is safe, but they're not saved. I believe a baby and, or a young child is in a state where they are safe if they were to die they would go to hell, but they're not saved. Okay, A person who is saved, they never have to worry about going to hell. Ever. All right? Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We never have to worry about going to hell. We are going to go to heaven, and there is nothing that can change that. That is the difference between somebody who is saved and someone who is safe. Someone who is safe, all right, they still could go to hell. You know, And so really... because. You know, we're not saved, or we are saved because of the fact we can never go to hell. But a baby is not saved because they might. Alright? They might eventually. So what does a child have to do to go from safe to unsaved? Alright? Or, and I guess like I said, they're not saved to begin with. They're safe, but you know, to, how do they go from being safe to condemned to hell if they were to die at that moment? And I personally believe we can find out in John chapter 3. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. Let's look at a few verses there. Well-known passage of Scripture. Look what it says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see that God sent His Son to the world. We know that God sent Jesus to pay for our sins. Okay, God, Jesus Christ, He paid for the sins of the world. You all understand that? The sin that of the world has been paid in full. And so in reality, all right, in reality, we don't go to hell because of our sin. All right, we go because our sin's been paid for. Why do we go to hell? We go to hell because of we reject the gift of salvation. Verse 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is it that condemns us? Is it our sin or is it our unbelief? And you can say it's our sin, but here's the thing. We're, we all claim to be saved here, but how many of us still sin sometimes? All right, how many of us sin pretty regular? Okay, we still sin, don't we? We're not perfect. All right, the one who just got saved last week, I guarantee there's been some sin in the last week. But you know what? You're, you're still, you're still saved. You know why? Because we are not condemned now by our sin. Our sin, the sin debt of the world has been paid for. We're condemned by unbelief. Well, a person who has believed, they're good. They're covered. They are saved. But that person who does not believe, they are condemned not by their sin, but by their unbelief. It look, let's keep reading. In verse 19, it says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So you see that that person who is condemned, that he hates the light. He has rejected the light. He has rejected the gift of salvation. He has not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is condemned by that. Not because of a list of sins, but his rejection of Jesus Christ. His rejection of the free gift of salvation that comes without works. Nobody goes to hell because of the specific list of sins that they have committed. You know why? Because really, one sin is all it would take to get someone thrown into hell or to cause somebody to be worthy of hell. And all of us have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no difference between us and lost people when it comes to whether you know we're righteous or sinners or not. We're all sinners. But what is it that makes the difference is have we accepted the free gift of salvation? And those who have accepted the free gift of salvation, they are saved and they can never go to hell. But those who are young, those who are innocent, they have not accepted it, but they have not rejected it either. They have not rejected the gift of salvation and therefore they are not condemned. But however, there will come a time. I do not believe in an age of accountability. I don't think there's a a specific age. I think it's different for everybody. I do believe in a knowledge of accountability. And there will come a point in everyone's life where you know what? The light has shined. Jesus Christ is that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's what the Bible teaches. And there will come a point in everyone's life where, and I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know how God's going to do it, where they will have a chance to either go to that light or reject that light. And when that time comes where they reject that light, they at that state are condemned and they are, if they do die, they will go to hell. Now, thankfully, they can still be saved at some point. And that's why we're going to keep on witnessing and we don't want to keep on giving the gospel and pray that the Holy Spirit convicts them and saves them. But at the same time, they will, there will come a point where they are in a state of condemnation. When is that? It is when they have received that knowledge and they've rejected it. And when that time comes, uh, you know, that's when they're in a very dangerous situation. That's when they better, that's when they need to get saved and they need to get saved fast. So turn over to first Timothy chapter two. So there is a knowledge of the truth that I believe a baby is not capable of understanding. So you know, when they don't even know how to say mama and dada, you know, they're not going to be able to say the sinner's prayer. They're not going to be able to call on the name of the Lord uh, for sure. And it says in first Timothy chapter two, in verse one, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, uh, giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, for kings, for all that are in authority, they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You all see that? That's what God wants to happen. He wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, are all going to do that? Are all going to accept that? No, some are going to reject that light. Some are going, that light, that knowledge of the truth, there will be those who never fully get to that point because they reject what they have been given. 
They, because they love their evil deeds, they don't want to look to Jesus Christ. They don't want to look to the things of God. That's why some people today are so terrified of church. Okay? It's not that they, you know, they, they don't know what the scriptures say. Uh, they, you know, they don't know what John 3.16 says. You know, they don't know about heaven and hell and all those things. Yet some people are absolutely hostile to church and the things of God. Why is that? You know why? It's because they know what they're doing is evil and they don't want to know the truth. And that person that's like that, they've rejected truth. They have re- they're rejecting truth at that point and they are, they're in a very dangerous situation. Uh, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so some of these people, they will never fully come to the knowledge of the truth. All right? Not because you know, they were never capable of it, not because they never had a chance, not because they had just sinned too much. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse, uh, in verse 1, we're not going to read the whole passage, but it talks about in the last time, these perilous times are going to come. And it names off all these horrible things that people are going to be doing. And in verse 5, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort, there are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women taken with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be, man, be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. So we see there are some people that they reject truth for so long. They reject the light. They follow the evil for so long. They're filled with all unrighteousness. They're filled with all ungodliness. They eventually become reprobate. And these people, no matter what you do, no matter how much you talk to them, you just can't change their mind on anything. And it's not like they're a little child that's not mentally capable of understanding something. It's just these people have rejected light. They have rejected truth for too long. And these people, they'll never get saved according to the Bible. They're a reprobate or they are rejected. They're cast away uh, like reprobate silver uh, talks about in Jeremiah. Uh, Turn over Romans chapter 1. We won't read this whole passage either for sake of time. But if you read Romans 1, a very well-known passage about reprobates, if you read through that whole passage, it constantly talks about how certain things are revealed. It says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. God's showing them things. God's revealing things to them. But the Bible says that they are rejecting it. Okay? And there are, there are a lot of really, really wicked people in this world today. And a lot of times they're like, well, you know, these people, they just don't know any better. They never came to the knowledge of the truth. They never got to a point where they had the knowledge of good and evil. No, these are people, they did know some things. God did reveal some things to them. And you know what they did? They rejected those things. They, tur- they turned away from those things. They went towards the evil. And the Bible says in verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. They end up getting even worse. They get involved in deeper sin. Why? Because they are rejecting truth. And we need to understand that what gets people in trouble, it's not necessarily the list of sins that we've got to put a check mark by that we have done. Okay? Because we've all sinned. And any sin, all right? If, if we were to make a checklist, if I was to make a list of every sin in the Bible, that would take a long time too. 
Because there's a lot of sins. Do you realize if you have to put a check mark by one of those, you're a sinner and you're worthy of hell. Okay? But here's the thing. Jesus paid your sin debt. So if you don't go to heaven, why will it be you do not go to heaven? It won't be because of your sins. It will be because of your rejection of Christ's payment. Because of the fact you were not willing to put your faith and trust in His work. And you know what you did? You trusted in your own work. And as a result of that, you will go to hell. Alright? Not because of a list of sins. And so understand that what gets people in trouble, it's not necessarily the sin or the sin nature or anything like that. It's the rejection of truth. And that young child, that little baby, they are not capable of rejecting that truth. They're not capable of that. But eventually... They will get to that point. That's why we want to reach them while they're young. See, there, there's a higher level of accountability for those who know the truth. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says if we... Uh, res- let's, let's turn there. I won't quote it right. Hebrews chapter 10. For if we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. That's what I was trying, I was trying to quote right there. I mean, there, hey, you're just in trouble. You know, you just got, you got fiery indignation to look forward to. When you know the truth and you reject it, and when you do not accept it, you are in trouble. But somebody who doesn't know any better, right? It's different. We have different rules, all right? There are some things that maybe Lana is not going to get in much trouble for than Tommy would if he does. Why? Because he's a lot older. He knows more. He understands more. Therefore, there's going to be more accountability. But that... You know, little baby, you don't, you don't put all those things on them. You, know, you can't expect that from them. And God doesn't do that either. It says in verse uh, 27, But a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery, fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law, died without mercy under two or three witnesses. If they despised it, if they rejected it. The Bible says they died without mercy under the two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, where we, with he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite in the Spirit of grace. Hey, those of you who know what Jesus Christ did, and you've rejected that, you're really in trouble. If you know the truth, a person who has been given the gospel and rejects that truth, that person's in big, big trouble. Why? Because they rejected the gift of salvation. Not because of the list of sins. Okay? There are people that are going to go to hell that morally, you could probably say, or that, you know, they, they're better than me. Maybe haven't committed as many sins as I have, but at the same time, they rejected the gift of salvation. That's what gets people in trouble, is the rejecting the gift of salvation and rejecting Christ. And so uh, that little child has not done that. They are not capable of that. Therefore, they're fine. I believe they're safe. They will go to heaven if they die. So that's why we, though we want to reach them while they're young, though. Well, and let me show you a few verses. Turn to Luke chapter 18. This is why it's so important that we have, we, you know, you bring your children to church and you have your kids in the service that you, you know, get your kids around the things of God and around the Word of God. There are people out there today, there are Baptist people today that are discouraging parents from trying to lead their children to the Lord at a young age. They're discouraging that. People like David Cloud, a very well-known uh, guy on the internet and stuff that a lot of preachers look to for a lot of information, he teaches that kind of junk. that you know, Because it's like your kids don't have enough sins to repent of yet. 
Because a lot of Baptists are teaching this that you have to repent of your sins in order to be saved. In other words, you've got to quit sinning. Well, good luck with that. You know, good luck with that. We all still sin. We don't get saved by turning from our sins. We get saved by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting the free gift of salvation. That's what gets us saved. And they're like, well, a little kid, what's he supposed to repent of? You know, he can't give up his cigarettes. He can't quit his drinking. He can't quit his cussing and all those things. He hasn't even started those things yet. So how's he going to be able to get saved? Well, it's actually easier because the fact, one, you don't have to repent of your sins to get saved. But look, let me show you why it's so much easier for children to get saved. It says in Luke 18, verse 15, it says, Then they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked him. They'd been watching, looking at David Cloud's articles on the Internet and got, got a little mixed up. But Jesus called them, and, uh, called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Y'all see that? Jesus said, hey, don't forbid the little children to come to me. David Cloud, don't forbid the little children to come unto me. David Cloud, don't stop the parents from bringing their little children unto me. You know, don't forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, except you come as a little child. You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, why did he say that? And this is so important that we get this because this is what salvation is all about. Why do we need to come as little children? Well, first off, little children, they don't ask a lot of questions and struggle with doubt, do they? Especially when it comes to what you provide for them. How many of you, when your children were little, and those of you that have little children, right? Whenever you're feeding that little baby and... You know, it says, you know, mom, where'd this food come from? How'd you pay for this food? All right, first of all, they don't know how to talk yet. All right. But, but even, even when they're little, all right, Lana, whenever we go out to eat, she never asked dad, how are you paying for this food? You know, dad, how'd you get the money for this? How much work did you have to do to be able to provide for this meal? They, they never asked those things. She never has come to me and said, hey, dad, what do I need to do to help pay for this meal? She, she's never done that. She's never come. It's like, you know, Dad, I feel like if I'm in, in order for me to receive this, I ought to do something to earn it. I mean, that's not a bad attitude, I guess. But at the same time, they don't do that. You know what they do? They just they gladly accept what's offered to them in total faith that you've got it taken care of. I remember when I was a kid, I would often ask my parents, hey, Dad, Mom, Dad, can you buy this? Can you buy that? You know, real expensive things. And they would always like, we don't have enough money. And I used to tell them, just write a check. You know, you're, you're able to write any number on there. I, I used to tell him that. I remember telling him that. I was like, just write a check. And he explained that he had to have money in the bank first in order to be able to do that. You know, I thought you just had to write, be able to write the numbers and you're, you're all good. All right. You know, that's just kind of that, you know, childlike faith. We think our parents can do anything. We think they can provide anything. And you know what? Jesus Christ has provided salvation for us. Now, we understand how he provided for it, but I don't even know that we completely fully comprehend it. He provided that salvation that we know with his blood on the cross. When Jesus Christ died, he paid our sin debt for us. He paid, he paid for all of it. He paid for our sin debt. And for us to get saved, what do we have to do? We have to trust in his work. We trust in his death, burial, and resurrection to get us to heaven. You know what we do? He offers it to us. And we don't go to him and say, all right, now what do I have to do to help provide for this? What do I have to do to earn this? 
You know what we do? We just accept the provision like a little child. Just like that little child, it will accept whatever you offer them as a parent, and they don't ask a whole lot of questions. You know, they don't ask if you stole it. That you know, you know, they don't ask any of those things. They just assume you did the right thing. We just need to understand and have faith that Jesus did everything it takes for us to get to heaven. He's offered us to get to salvation, and let's just take it. And who is better? Not who is better than do it, at doing that than a little child? That's what little children do with everything in their life. They don't ask those questions. When we're driving the car, they don't ask, Dad, how are you afford to pay for this gas you know, to put in the car? They don't even ask what makes the car go. I don't even know what makes the car go. You know, but we, we just do it. All right? we, we, just, we just do these things. We just accept them by faith. And that's what a person has to do in order to go to heaven. They've just got to recognize that a gift has been offered to them and they have to accept it. And that is what gets them saved. Not turning from their sins, not cleaning up their act, not getting rid of their bad temper and not holding their breath and passing out anymore. He doesn't do that anymore, thankfully. But at the same time, that's not what, that's not what gets you saved. It's faith in Jesus Christ and His provision. And little children, they are not foolish enough to think that they are providing for themselves in some way. And I think it's good to give your kids some kind of job to do and teach them responsibility and things like that. But you know, those little babies, we don't do that with them, do we? We don't make them earn their keep. All right? I joke about that all the time. I, I've told our kids out when they were little, you guys need to start earning your keep, you know? Especially when we're buying diapers for them. Like, you need to find some way to make some money to pay for all these diapers uh, that, I'm buying, that I'm buying for you guys, you know? And, and they just look at you as a baby, just, you know, they smile because you're talking to them, you know? They, they, don't, they don't know any better. But little children... They're not foolish enough to think and to get, even get it in their head that, you know what? I'm eating this food because of my work. I'm wearing these clothes because of my labors. And you know what? A little child is also isn't foolish enough to think that I'm going to heaven because of my works. Because I'm a good person. You know what? They understand that, hey, it's Jesus. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have that simple, childlike faith. And none of your none of your children's ever done that. They not, they didn't quiz you as a little kid. Now, as they got older, they might start doing that. As they get older, they start asking some of those questions. Hey, you know, Dad, what do you? How do you make money? How does money work? You know, they start asking those questions. They get older, and you know what? As we grow in Christ, we start asking some of those questions. And you know what? We go to the Bible to find out that hey, yeah, you know how Jesus purchased that? He purchased it with His blood. He purchased it by His perfect life that He lived. He kept all those laws. So we wouldn't have to keep those laws because we weren't capable of keeping those laws. Jesus did all that for us. We can learn more about this as we go, but in the end, we still don't completely understand it. We don't completely understand how the, the, you know, the life of one man was able to take care of the sins of the entire world. But I believe that. You know why? Because if death passed upon all men because of one, well, then I guess life can too. And we know death is passed upon all men because you know why? We're all sinners and we all eventually die, don't we? And so you know what? If that came to pass, if that was true, then you know what? I also believe that life can come by one and by Jesus Christ. I don't get every little thing about it, but I know that's exactly what the Bible teaches and I accept that. I accept that and I accept that gift of salvation. And so I do. I believe that babies, that young children, I believe they go to heaven when they die. And the thing, the thing that's stopping people from getting to heaven, this thing we've got to realize, the thing that's stopping people from going to heaven, it's not just their sin. All right? We don't need to look at our neighbors and say, you know what, they've done that, they're too rotten, 
you know, for, forget them. No, their sin is not what's keeping them out of heaven. All right, it's their lack of faith in Jesus Christ. It's the fact that they have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. They've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our job to give them that message. It's not our job to clean up their life. It's not our job to get them reformed and things like that. We want to teach them those things after they get saved. But it's, it's our job to just tell them so they will accept that and get to salvation. Because that's what's stopping people from going to heaven. They are rejecting the free gift. Their sins have been paid for. Jesus did not pay just for the sins of the saved. He paid for the sins of the whole world. And so if people go to hell, it will be because they rejected the free gift of salvation. Because of, of rejection of that. A little child is not capable of that. And so I do. I believe young children go to heaven when they die. And I do. I believe, I believe little kids right now, they're, they're not saved, but they're safe. And so you know what we need to do? We need to keep them around the things of God. We need to get them as close to Jesus Christ as possible. We need to teach them the Word of God from a young age. Get them around. Keep them exposed to the preaching of God. So as soon as they do come to that knowledge, they will accept. And then they will be saved. And they'll never, ever have to worry about going to hell. And so I hope that was a help to you today. So let's, right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You so much for providing... For our salvation, Lord, through your death, burial, and resurrection. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one here that they've never accepted that free gift, they'll do that. Lord, I pray you'll help us to find comfort in the fact and of knowing that uh, maybe babies and young children, those who have uh, gone on early, dear God, we can know that we will uh, be able to, we'll be able to say like David, Lord, that we will go to them. We will be able to see them again. And we thank you uh, for that comfort. We thank you for your goodness to us. We do not deserve any of it, even those of us who have believed on You for salvation. We still don't deserve salvation, but You've given it to us anyway. And we thank You for that. And we just pray a blessing on everyone. In Your name we pray. Amen.